theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Sean Stickler said last week, he said what happened, reports are beginning to come in all over the place. People are like, Pastor, this increased, that increased. We went to the mailbox, praise God. Checks in there, I ain't making this stuff up. God is doing it. He will provide as you do it in faith. And so I'm so thankful for your sacrifice and your faith-filled pledge. I do want to remind you that when you do that, you can give anyway. Interactive transfer, cash, check, of course. Online, make sure you select the big give. Make sure you select the big give when you're giving. And your pledges are due at the end of January 2022. January 31, 2022. And as these funds begin to come in, you'll begin to see improvements. And we'll begin to do some things in the community. But we are going to give it some time for everybody to give you an opportunity to get those pledges in. But we rejoice and I thank you all. And I've been praying a blessing over everybody. I pray a blessing upon our AC family, but I'm praying an extra blessing, a, a big gift blessing on those that participated in that. And we're thankful. And if you didn't get an opportunity to participate, it is not too late. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about it and you're kind of like, man, I haven't been around in a few weeks, check it out, catch up on YouTube, and then simply visit our website, click generosity, and you'll see uh, information and materials about the big give. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew 16. I don't want to keep you standing much longer. The book of Matthew chapter 16, whether you have your Bible or your Bible app, get that ready. You all know something we do often here at EC. We make this declaration. I want y'all to join with me. Get your Bible app. Open that bad boy up. Get it in the air. Get your Bible up in the air if you have it. And I just want you to repeat after me if you're comfortable declaring this. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. I'm thankful for the word of God. Do you love his word? Praise God. Matthew 16, verse 13. And I'm going to read through 19 out of the New King James. And you might want to mark this uh, because I'm going to come back to this chapter and several verses beyond verse 19. But I believe verses 13 through 19 will give us the foundation. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Got to get to the right passage, first of all. I was looking like, hey, that doesn't look right. Okay. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, he stood up or he just answered and said, hey, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The last verse, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Praise God. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. And you'll understand as I read a few more passages here in a moment why I've titled this sermon what I have. But I've titled this message today, The Way of the Cross. 
the way of the cross. Would you help me pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise. We release the gift of faith in this place. I declare brokenness before your presence. We humble ourselves in adoration. You are our king. We gladly bow down at your feet, O Lord God, declaring your lordship. We thank you for your sacrifice. We pray that you will have your way. Open our understanding, God. Let your love draw us to a place where we gladly lay down any crown that we have at your feet. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Clap your hands unto the Lord to give him praise. As you're being seated, I'm going to ask Elvis and my team to help me bring that tool of torture up here and just lay that down on the platform. That would be helpful. In several of my messages recently, I have been drawn to Matthew 16. Yeah, Matthew 16 for many thoughts of inspiration and direction. As a matter of fact, I've shared this with you all. I've preached this text, not every way conceivable, but I love this text because Peter and the disciples, they step into the revelation zone. When you understand who Jesus Christ is, it changes everything. And this is exactly, thank you for that yes, praise God. I'm going to say it again. When you understand who Jesus Christ is, it changes everything. And when you step into the revelation zone, thank you so much, Elvis. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Elvis is in the building. Praise God. If you didn't know. If you didn't know, many wondering right now, you might be watching, but Elvis is alive. Yes, Elvis is alive and well, and praise God, he's going to be in his blue suede <laughs> for the Christmas program. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. He was wearing them things, just dancing unto the Lord. I said, praise God, praise God. But I love it because, can I tell you, when you understand who you are in Christ and when you understand who Christ is, and I should have said it this way first, when you understand who Christ is and who you are in him, the struggle ceases. The struggle is over. The struggle is over. And it's, it's very important here in Matthew 16, if you were to read all of this, I won't be able to unpack all of this, but if you were to read all of it, you'll understand that there are five important predictive and directive statements that are made here, and they all have to do with the church. Somebody say the church. The first statement that the Lord makes is that it has to do with the determination and its creator. Jesus said, I will build my church. See, this is a declaration of committed determination. And whatever challenges Satan or circumstances may bring about in the future time, it, the fact has already been settled. The church of Jesus Christ will be built and finished in beautiful completion. There is no devil in hell that can stop the church. There is no circumstances that can stop the church. As a matter of fact, people thought COVID would shut the church down, but I believe it strengthened the church. We've seen God do things that we wouldn't think would happen during COVID, but we've come through stronger, and not just this local assembly, but I'm talking about the church, the universal church. You need to know that when you're a part of the living church of, the G of Jesus Christ, that you are a part of something more powerful than any government, than any military weapon. You are a part of something that cannot be defeated, and if you're glad to be a part of the church, you need to give God praise. This is not an organization. This is not a country club. This is a house for hosp a hospital, a place where the broken can find life, a place where the broken can be restored, a place where everybody is welcome. And he said, it belongs to me. It's my church. That's why I'm careful. I'm very careful to say things. I understand what people say, and I used to, but I don't run around saying my church. Because it's not my church. It's his. That's just the conviction that I, that I have. I'm not giving anybody else any, any hard time. I think I understand what you're saying when you are appropriating the church to yourself and you're saying there's ownership and you belong and you're involved and invested. I get all of that. But the church doesn't belong to me. I did not lay down my life for the church. The Lord Jesus Christ did. He told me, men, you want to know what he told us to do? He told us to lay down our lives for our wives. He didn't tell us to lay down our lives for the church because he did that already. The church belongs to him. And he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. Praise God. The church is triumphant because he has conquered death, 
hell, and the grave, and I give God praise. I've already read the end of the book, and we win. Praise God. So the first has to do with this determination that Jesus has. He makes it abundantly clear. I am going to build my church. The second thing he also informs us of is that he is the builder of the church. See, this holy and mysterious institution, if you will, is so unique that only God can build it. <laughs> See, somehow or another, we might have been informed elsewhere, but you need to understand the Bible is clear unless the Lord build the house. They that labor, labor in vain. I'm telling you right now, I don't want this thing to be built upon a personality. I was telling my wife that because it will crumble. But if it is built upon Jesus Christ and we let him do the work, this thing will not crumble. It will not falter. It will stand the test of time. It will live beyond generations should he tarry. And this will be a safe place and a haven and a refuge for God to do remarkable things. But he will will build the church, not you and not me. It's important for us to understand that. And I don't want to be a part of a church where we can look and say, well, look what Rihanna did. Look what Raul did. Look what Karen did. No, no, no. I'm not interested in that. Look, uh, look what Joel did. No, I'm interested in saying, no, no, no. I know that couldn't have been Joel. And I know that couldn't have been Rihanna. And I know that couldn't have been Raul. That had to be God. I don't want them attributing anything to our education. I don't want them attributing anything to our so-called creativity or innovation. I want them to look and marvel and give God the glory because it belongs to him. It's his church and he will build it. If you believe that, give him praise. This is why religion is killing people. Because... When you go into a religious institution, you can see that human hands are all over it. But we don't dictate who can and can't come to this church because it's not our church. <laughs> educated, uneducated, you're welcome. Broke, rich, in between, you're welcome. Makes no difference what color you are, the hue of the spectrum, you name it. You are welcome here. Not sure who you are, you're welcome here. Every living soul Jesus Christ died for, this church is his. And our only responsibility is to not only welcome you, but we do it gladly. I say, come on, come on in. You are safe here. You are loved here. That is the plan of God. Also, Jesus declares in verse 16, we, we see it. He, he says, he, he declares both the security and triumph of the church. He said, upon this solid rock of his own deity. He's God all by himself. Does anybody know that? <laughs> the fact that he is the Christ, he's the anointed one, he is the Messiah, God in the flesh, the Son of Man and the Son of God. This association with him, you need to understand, causes the church to be invincible. It says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, in the, mess, in the midst, excuse me, of other wrecked societies, the church has always stood. While empires molder into a mere memory, the church has always renewed itself age unto age. You need to know the church is still standing because it is invincible, because it is upon the rock of Jesus Christ, and he is God all by himself. There's no one to his right, no one to his left. He is the creator of the universe, the alpha and the Omega, the great I am, as a matter of fact, before Abraham was, he said, I am. And so, in this, and in these declarations, and I don't have time to unpack them all, you understand the emergence of the church chronologically, if you're considering what's unfolding in the text here, we can approximate that it's about 12 to 15 months later that unfolds and the church is born. But what happens is there's a final transaction that comes at the cost of the church. See, Acts 20 and 28 shows the church as a very precious creation which was bought and purchased by God. 
Here's just another one to tell you that Jesus is God all by himself. Look at this, Acts 20, 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. How can a spirit have blood? <laughs> when you put on flesh. And that's exactly what he did. How many are thankful you know the mighty God in Christ? It's all in him. What could be more valuable than the blood of a holy God? Matthew 16, or excuse me, 21. Matthew 21, uh, the 21st verse of uh, chapter 16. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer Many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. See, it is important that we see for the very important reason why in the same chapter, location, and time frame. Stick with me. Jesus introduces both the concept of the church and also the concept of the cross. Whew. The significance is that these two realities, the church and the cross, are effectively inseparable. The true church and the cross are indivisible in concept and in Christian function. See, we know that the church is God's earthly body of flesh, which is to manifest or to reveal Jesus to people on this earth. But it's also, hear me, the cross is also God's instrument of gospel propagation throughout the entire world. The principle of the church's growth is the same principle that initially brought it into existence. Oh, God. It's the principle of the cross. The very thing that gave birth to the church this cross, this, this, this tool of torture. My concern today, God has been challenging me, and I've been talking to my wife about some things. I, I think we're, we're walking in the way, but I wonder if we're walking in the way without a cross. God is wondering, and he's made it very clear. Can I tell you, this life is not for the faint of heart. This life is not for the committed, uncommitted, excuse me. This life is not for those who want a convenient relationship with God. I'm not here to beat anybody up, but I am here to tell you, this is the way and the way of the cross. I want to talk to you about a few burdens and a few things that the Lord lays on us, but it's very clear here at the onset that we've got to be willing to pick up our... Help us, Holy Ghost. I want us to understand something here, and there's a few burdens that the Lord will lay on us, but this is something that we have to understand, and I'm going to unpack this, and my hope is that you will allow this to get into your spirit. Oftentimes, when somebody is, um, uh, there's an organ transplant taking place, we understand that there are a number of cross-references that have to be done in order to identify the compatibility the compatibilities of the donor and the donee. In other words, there are so many things that have to work in order for the donee, the recipient of the donor, to, uh, for it to work well. As a matter of fact, if there aren't these compatibilities, then we understand what's going to happen, that the donee, when he receives, or the don when they receive this or a donated organ, their body will reject it. As a matter of fact, if it is not completely and entirely compatible, not only will it reject it, it will attack it. What I want you to understand is we have to realize that if the church is going to grow like God has called us to grow, if the church, and I'm not, I don't mean numerically, I'm talking about thriving in who he is, we're going to have to realize that the cross must be a part of our lives. 
the cross just like if you if you want to be near his side if you want to be in his presence if you want to accomplish anything for his glory you're going to have to have a cross in your life in this you need to hear me I'm trying to give you a visual but you need to understand that without a cross you are none of his from the 21st verse, Jesus says, from that time, he began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is clearly disclosing that the cross is the product of his death. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hear me. Life in the church continues to generate at the same principle of selfless love. It's repeated by its members. The only way we are going to live is when we are dying out to ourselves. We must die out to ourselves. Our opinions don't matter. Oh, my God. I'm going to get in trouble here, but can I just? We have to have this cross in our life, and not only do we have to, he says, pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Whew. The Holy Ghost is challenging me this afternoon to convey to you a burden that he's put on my heart and you need to understand this in no uncertain terms okay and his reference to the cross Jesus is disclosing the certain consequences a Christian can expect if he does not choose to harmonize himself with the spiritual command of picking up your cross and following him if you read the text right here right here he says look at verse 22 then Peter took him aside after Jesus tells him all this stuff he takes him aside and begins to rebuke the Lord says far be it from you I've seen crucifixions before I've seen how brutal they are I've seen how torturous they can be far be it from you Lord this shall not happen to you look at the next verse but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. See, you need to hear me. See, 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 Peter thought he was doing him a favor, but what Peter was doing was standing in the way of his purpose. So, the very thing Peter didn't want him to take was the very tool and mechanism that was going to deliver Peter and deliver you and I. The Lord looked at him. He said, as, as a matter of fact, he said, uh, let, let, me, let, me, let me preach it to you plainly. Peter, the convenient road is an offense to me. The easy way out, Peter, is an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God. Oh, Jesus. But your mind is only on the things of man. How comfortable is it? How convenient is it? How will it please my flesh? How will it make me look? What will people think of me? That's what's on the mind of man. But I'm telling you right now, that is not what's on the mind of God. For for the God we serve made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. He humbled himself even unto the death of the cross. He picked up his cross and he died. Why? Before the joy that was set before him. I'm talking about you and I. He had us on his mind. Somebody give God praise for the cross. We must die to ourselves. See, finally, in his reference to the cross, Jesus he tells people, hey, this is what's going to happen. And he just kind of breaks it down plainly. See, watch this. Verse 24. It's like he, he, Peter pulls him aside and he says, Peter, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. And watch what the Lord says to him in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if, 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 if anyone desires to come after me, 
let him deny himself. Oh, I'm going to help somebody out. Let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. Watch this, watch this. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Not might lose it, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange of his soul? See, 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 this, this, what, what am I talking about? Let me, let me just make this plain. See, when you take up your cross, it's no longer about which university you want to attend. It's about where does he want you to go. When you pick up your cross and follow him, it's not about what you want to do. It's about what does he want you to do. I, I know, I, I, don't, get, don't get me wrong. We, you know what, I, you, you want to do this, you want to do that, but pick up your cross. <laughs> Deny yourself. Follow him. Can I tell you, God, hear me, he's more interested in our character than he is our convenience. You err and you're out of scripture if you think he's just a big cosmic being who wants to do nothing but give you everything you want and then some, like some magical genie. No, that is not the case. That is not the case at all. Open up your Bible, I say it in love, and read it. And understand that Jesus warns those who would follow him that they will not survive as a living, contributing part of his church unless they accept into their lives the same principle that produced the church. And the same principle that produced the church is the cross. See, we, in this spiritual sense, you, you, you can't have, the cross is inseparable from the church. And if you don't have a cross, you don't have Christianity. It's kind of like, you know, Amos asked the question, how can two walk together unless they agree? How can you walk with the Lord if you don't have a cross? See, I'm going to show you three symbols of suffering. The first is Paul. Paul has a burden. You might be familiar with this in Galatians. In Galatians, he, he basically begins to unpack a, a thought, and he says, hey, uh, bear ye one another burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Then we are, are, are told that we cannot expect the church to solve all of our problems. He says, for every man shall bear his own burden." This, I know this is tough. I know, I, I, trust me, I don't, I'm not conveying this with glee. But here's what we need to understand. I get there's going to always be stresses in life, and we will suffer in the process. No one can escape. Nobody will escape the burdens of life. And yes, some are heavier than others. But whatever disappointment or pain of the circumstances of the natural existence that is laid upon us, we are to dutifully, dutifully, Bear our burdens. Are you ready for this? Without self-pity. A burden has to do with loads and stresses we encounter in the process of living. And we cannot avoid these. There is a workload involved even in the work of God. And Jesus acknowledged that those who walk with him would carry a burden. Read it. But here's what he did say. My burden, my burden is light. Oh, God, if you would just learn to do it his way and not try to do it your way, the moment you do it his way, his burden is light. Take his yoke upon him and upon you and learn of him, for his burden is light. His yoke is easy. The church would be more effective and a lot of us would be less frustrated if everyone accepted, in fact, that... We're just going to have a burden. But can I tell you, the church is not a, a place just 
we got everybody. We say no perfect people allowed. But this is not like a place where you can just come and be lazy and not do anything and irresponsible. That is not how this works here. God has called you to bear your burden. Some of us need to understand that the burdens we bear are a result of our own choices. I know, I know this is tough preaching, but you just put that in the palm. I'm stepping all on your toes. Praise God. You don't want these size 12s on your feet anyway. But you know what? We do need to understand that God is not mocked. We will reap what we sow. Sometimes, you know, I've said this before, the devil didn't give you that flat tire. Maybe it was a nail. Stop blaming the devil for everything. Okay? The devil is not that, he is not that powerful. He is not omnipotent. He is not omnipresent. He is not omniscient. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when you see him, you'll be like, wait a second. Hold up, hold up. Really, Lord? Really? Uh, some of y'all, you're hyping him up and you're giving him so much credit. When the Bible is clear, like the gates of hell shall not prevail, I understand their spiritual opposition. Yes, I understand the principalities and the order of all of that. But you need to know that you are triumphant. Quit giving the devil credit for stuff that he didn't even do. And we'll do that. We'll be like, oh, you know what? And on top of that, you know what? The reality of it is, it's one of three things. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. Ain't no demon. Can I just help somebody and just not step on your toes? Ain't no nicotine demon. Ain't no marijuana demon. <laughs> Y'all over there talking about something. <laughs> no. It's called your flesh. And if I could be more specific, it's your uncrucified flesh. It ain't, ain't no party demon. And don't get me wrong, ain't nothing wrong with no party. Because ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. Because a Holy Ghost party don't, see, a Holy Ghost party don't stop. I got joy and it's full and unspeakable. It's full of glory. I'm thankful. I love to party and I love to dance. I love to have fun. But can I tell you? Ain't no demon, ain't no party demon calling you into your flesh wanting to go wild out. That's the bottom line. Your uncrucified flesh. You got to crucify your flesh. You know why Sarah and I, especially her, you know why we've been married 21, almost 22 wonderful years? Y'all think I'm playing. I'm helping somebody right now. I, this is some marriage advice right now. Deny yourself. Your marriage is not about you. Oh, y'all going to get mad at me. Your marriage is not about you. That's the problem. Get over yourself. Oh, my God. But you want to say things like this. I've been in I done counsel. <laughs> I, nobody here would do this. No, you see. Y'all like, well, she, she knew who she was getting into when she married me. You can tell, no cross. Here's what we do. We talk about some, oh, try, try that with the Lord. You talk about some of that party demon. And you like, the Lord know I wanted to wild out. He knew, he knew I liked a while out before I came to him. He knew I wanted to give me a little taste. Oh, I ain't, okay. Okay, y'all going to act like, okay, y'all go ahead. Act like you've been saved your whole life. <laughs> he knew I liked me a little taste before he, no cross. No cross. Go ahead and tell that to the Lord. Go ahead, go ahead and tell him. Lord, you knew who I was before you. No, 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 no. See, you need to understand 
God is trying to do something in our life here. And it's, it's, this is not about us. He wants us to be a living sacrifice. I got to hurry because I, I want to put a few other things in your spirit here. The second symboling of suffering, and I kind of got ahead of myself, is this thorn. Paul refers to it. See, Paul tells us, here he says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. <sighs> I mean, Paul was kind of given preface like, I done seen a lot. <laughs> and unless I find myself being puffed up. You know, you ever been around people that like, you know, you be around preachers and teachers. I'd have been around a whole bunch. Preachers are some of the funniest people ever, right? Because everybody got to come. Like they like to get in group chats and threads and Marco Polos. And it's like everybody want to just drop their little deep thought. And I can't compete with that stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm like, I, I was like, oh, I thought we was trying to connect and help one another. But if you just kind of want to hear, you know, my little latest revelation and then y'all just pushing stuff. And I'm like, man, some of y'all ain't even in the book. Y'all so busy trying to have something fresh. I was like, just stay in the book. But you get around people, you can't tell them nothing. And sometimes somebody be preaching and teaching, and they be revelation. And you know what? they like, you, you like, this is good. And they looking like. Unimpressed. Not moved. Like they had that thought. Like that's been revealed to them. I'm just... This is how they do. Paul's like, lest I should be like that. Lest I should think I got it all together. Lest I become too dignified. Well, I don't respond to the presence of God. Lest I become too comfortable. Where I just go through the motions. Last where I become more concerned about my safety, my own well-being, and what's going on in my pockets than I do the church of God. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. I should be, lest I should be exalted above measure. Some cases, depending upon the translation and study, the word buffet means to literally slap thrust. We cannot comfort ourselves. Now, let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. We can comfort ourselves in knowing that God keeps us, and he keeps a hedge about his children. So Satan just can't come and do whatever he wants to do to your family. But we do need to understand that this is not about us. See, seasons of suffering like this are allowed in our lives so that we'll submit to his will. See, Paul elaborates on this. He says, I'm submitted, and he recognizes the purpose and the worth of a painful experience in his life. And he said, you know what? I don't want to do it, and I don't want to go through it again. That's it. That's it. If you could just, as opposed to trying to get out of the suffering, but say, God, teach me. I'm ready to learn. See, th th there's something about hubris when it's absent, and no longer laden the atmosphere. Now you're like, okay, I'm the student. I'm not the teacher. God, what are you trying to teach me? Help me to learn what you're doing in this season in my life. Help me to understand the purpose and the point of this suffering. Let me, let me move on. The third, though, the third is this cross. And Jesus makes it abundantly clear if the church is going to continue, remember, he just said, upon, my, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And, he, and then he goes on to say, and he makes it abundantly clear because they're like, no, 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 no. Or excuse me, Peter's like, no, 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 you can't do this. He's like, Peter, you got to chill, bro. Get behind me. And then the Lord's like, here it is. If any man is going to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. And follow after me. In other words, most, if, excuse me, not most, all decisions should be made under the weight of a cross. See, Jesus wasn't just talking to Simon. He wasn't just talking to John. He wasn't just talking to Luke. Look at what he says here in verse 24. 
Then Jesus said to his disciples, verse 24 of chapter 16, if anyone, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He was not talking to the apostle Paul or even Timothy. He was talking to any man. He was talking to whoever. He was talking to you and I. And he asked us to do something great. He asked each of us to take up our cross and follow him. Jesus isn't playing game with his followers, and I'm about to wrap this up. He didn't conceal the cost of discipleship. He didn't hide what it would take. He told Simon Peter, you want to go where you want to go? Then you'll be led about by your flesh. He told the apostle Paul, how much you're going to suffer for my name's sake. He warned the rich young ruler, it's going to cost you everything. The pearl does indeed demand a great price. The field will indeed cost you your treasure. You don't want to go this way unless you're absolutely committed. So open was he that he often turned the masses away. See, if Jesus were our pastor, he would not err in this area. He would ask you to do something great. He would ask you to pick up your cross and deny yourself. But, Pastor Akil, that's, that's not normal. That's not normal. No, it's extraordinary. I'll tell you a story of two Moro uh, Moravian missionaries. 250 years ago, two young Moravian men heard of an island in the West Indies which was virtually owned by one plantation master. He was a violent man who treated his slaves with complete contempt. He would not allow any, uh, it would not allow them to know anything of Christianity. No minister was permitted to come and form a church among them. So you know what these two young Moravian men did? Gripped with a burden for a group of people who might never hear about the love of Jesus Christ. They sold themselves into slavery to their plantation master. The money they received for their own lives, they used to pay their passage to get to the island. They gave up their lives to go and live among the community of slaves to bring them the gospel. Their families came to the docks to farewell them, knowing it was highly doubtful they would ever see them again. As the ship pulled out of the harbor with mothers crying on the shore, the last words even heard from them was one of the young men cried out from the ship's deck, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. That became the catch cry of the small Moravian community who sent out 2,158 recorded missionaries over all the world. Jesus had died for people who would never hear the gospel unless someone went to tell them. And it started with these two. I wonder, just for a moment. See, I, no, I'm not beating anybody up because I do this too. But I, I had this thought. A little while back, when I'm giving God praise, and I was listening to just listen to one of my favorite songs, praise God. Pastor Barry, like, well, you got about 50, but uh, I was listening, and the guy said something that just wrecked me. He said, Lord, receive the reward of your suffering. And I thought to myself, my praise that I give him. Lord, that's the reward of your suffering. I don't want to just give you, a, but all of who I am. Lord, this is the reward of your suffering. The fact that you picked up your cross and you died and you bled for me and you rose from the dead. This is the reward of your suffering. 
God, I give you my life. I'll open up my mouth. And not only will I give you my praise, but I'll lift my hands. I'll raise my heart to you, Lord. And I'll, I'll dance unto you. I'll sing unto you on key, off key. Makes no difference. I'll run, heel, hoop, nala, holler, roll. It makes no difference. They may not understand, but they did not die for me. They did not suffer for me. But you are the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. And you are worthy of my praise. God, receive the reward of your suffering. My life, the totality of who I am. And more importantly, my yes. Come on and give him praise. I feel the presence of the Lord. Come on and worship him. Come on and give him thanks. Come on and give him thanks. We love you, Jesus. What am I asking you to do? Leave all behind. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. Will you have to leave family behind? Yeah, you might. Will they understand? Probably not. Will it be inconvenient? Yeah. Will it be heavy? Yeah. Will you be misunderstood? Yeah. Will it cause you to deny yourself? Yeah. Will it bring you to the end of yourself? Yeah. Will it cause pain? Yeah. I can remember the toughest time in my life, especially ministerially. Mia, I want you to come, princess, when you're. I was in Austin, Texas. I'll never forget it. And I said, Lord, you ever had those moments when you just yell at God? Stephen, we were talking about that in our small group this week. Powerful time. By the way, you got to get in an e-group. I'm biased, but our group is the bomb. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, man, I just love it, man. Praise God. We just, we, we did, Pastor Barry said, courageous. We just have such a good time. But Stephen asked a question, and it was a profound one, and it began to resonate in me. But I was there, and I remember being in Austin, Texas. And I told the Lord this, because I was done, Rihanna. I was done. I told my wife, I said, I, and I'm not faulting anybody if you're seeing a counselor or anything, but that she knows that's not common for me. I said, I think I need to go see a counselor. I think I'm losing my mind. She was like, no, no, you just need to go see the, the great counselor. And I said, yeah, no, I'm, I'm being serious, babe. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I went outside in the backyard, and it might, I might as well have yelled it, but in my spirit I yelled it. I said, God, this cross is killing me. And do you know what he told me? That's the point. You might be wondering, God, do I have to do this? I thought to myself, after Texas, it'll get easier. But it didn't. And then I thought to myself in Florida, I'm living my best life. Scott. But here I am in Canada. Carrying my cross. And somebody asked me, they were like, they were like, don't you love it? And I was like, I love him. But this cross, it's heavy. We've all suffered loss. We've all had difficulties in life. I'm not saying mine is any exception. But it's hard. It's hard. You might be like, well, I don't, I don't understand. It's about me and my rights. 
You don't have any rights when you're carrying the cross. The Lord told me, he said, Akil, he said, some will take their cross. He said, but few will get up on their cross and die. I'll never forget that. Because the Lord is calling us to pick up our cross. Give up all rights. Yeah. That's the normal Christian life. It's not what I want. It's what he wants. I am without rights. I am a slave to Jesus Christ. I don't have the right to be hurt and stay hurt. I don't have the right to be offended and stay offended. I don't have the right to put you down. I don't have the right to live the way I want to live. I don't have the right. Take up your cross. Not my cross. Not your, I'm talking about your cross. Christ's cross was for others. You have a cross for others. I'm not talking about someone who gives you a hard time. I'm not talking about a sickness that's just a thorn. I'm talking about something you voluntarily pick up. You pick up a cross when you'll decide to come early and set up. You'll pick up a cross when you'll pick somebody up gladly and bring them to church. you pick up a cross, bring your shovel and your salt when it starts snowing. you pick up your cross and you'll prepare a few meals for somebody you haven't seen in a while. You'll pick up your cross and say, it's not about me but it's for others the Holy Ghost is here I want us to stand I feel his presence so strong thanks for listening to our podcast join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus if you like what you just heard we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends extraordinarychurch.ca we are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.